Let's talk infrastructure. Not a sexy word, but boy, is it important when it comes to economic growth for a region and for quality of life. Now, that's been proven over the past few weeks with so many debates about ferries and bridges and everything else. Now, last night on the way home, I was called by a friend who was stuck trying to get through the Massey Tunnel on the way home to South Surrey. Now, I detoured through Richmond, had dinner, uh, and then went through the tunnel uh, about an hour later. Now, I figured it beats being stuck in traffic. Uh, what happened? Well, there was an accident on the Alex Fraser Bridge, and like clockwork, the other crossings backed up, Portman, Massey Crossing, and many others. This comes just a couple of days after Delta Mayor and Metro Vancouver Board Chair George Harvey was on this sh- uh, show, and he said that we need another crossing for south of the Fraser commuter. Now, keep in mind, he's not talking about the Massey Tunnel or Bridge for 2030s. Yeah, he's saying another one, including a new Massey crossing. Take a listen to his comments. Well, as far as south of the Fraser is concerned, I've had many conversations with Minister Fleming. We need, as you know, I desperately need a second exit out of Ladder. With our growth and the projections and the province requiring us to build more housing, we need a second exit out. And uh, we also need to look at uh, another crossing because the capacity that will be absorbed with regards to the new uh, George Massey Tunnel replacement it'll be vastly consumed based upon the growth that's happening south of the Fraser. We need another crossing. That was uh, Delta Mayor uh, George Harvey. Now, yesterday, uh, Metro Vancouver TransLink Chair Brad West was on this show talking about money from Ottawa to potentially cover operating costs, not capital, keep in mind, not to uh, buy new buses or build SkyTrain. He's talking about uh, the feds uh, helping out with the operating budget, which means the day-to-day running of the system. Now, add to that the recent challenges at BC Ferries. One vessel and a major route goes down and the entire system is overwhelmed to the point where customers are waiting over six to seven hours or catching ferries at 11 p.m. or even 1 a.m. Uh, maybe it's me, but I feel like we're uh, falling behind when it comes to building and maintaining vital infrastructure. How do we get these projects approved and what happens behind the scenes when you know elected officials are fighting uh, for these projects? Well, joining me now to discuss the issue is Christy Clark, the former Premier of British Columbia. Christy, thank you for joining us today. Nice to be back, Jazz. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I'm not sure where to start here. More than anything, I mean, you've been you've been here. You've been listening to the news as well. What goes through your mind when it comes to you know George Harvey? There, we we hear about uh, the challenges that Ferries is facing. Like I said, Brad West was on here yesterday talking about Ottawa potentially covering the operating costs for TransLink, not capital costs like building uh, SkyTrains and that sort of thing. Uh, what's causing all this in your mind? Well, and part of it is them, the local officials. I mean, there's a long list, Jazz, and I mean, you know, this could be a, a three-hour uh, <laughs> segment of the show. Yeah. But uh, since we don't have three hours, I mean, there are a whole, uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that get in the way. And one of them is community opposition, and some of that is opposition from mayor. So, you know, when Mayor West says we're going to get federal money, we should get federal money for operating, I mean, He's either making that up or he's completely delusional because that is never, <laughs> ever going to happen. Uh, the federal government just doesn't doesn't fund operating for a provincial responsibility like transportation, particularly when it's when it's local. Um, so, you know, he's the chair of the Transportation Authority. He should be figuring this out rather than kind of coming up with bad guys uh, to blame for it. Mm-hmm. When really local officials, and you look at Richmond and Delta, for example, um, when we were talking about when we when we approved the Massey Tunnel all those years ago to go ahead, 
Um, and I think it would be close to finished and operating by now if you, it, had, the if bridge. it had been canceled. You mean the bridge? Yeah, I think it was springtime. Bassey Bridge, yeah. yeah. If that, you know, we had both Delta and Richmond complaining about it. They didn't want to be on the other end of it. So that is a huge problem with infrastructure development is local communities, and they respond to constituents, you know, fair enough, mm-hmm. often do not support the infrastructure um, that's that's coming to their communities because they they want the infrastructure but they don't want more people going through their communities and I, you know you, most of the time you can't really have it both ways mm-hmm. but jazz there's so local communities um, there's the issue of First Nations obviously that needs to be dealt with appropriately and fairly there are all the environmental um, regulations that are in place there are political reasons lots of times provincial governments don't want to build bridges in places like Kelowna if it's an NDP government because they don't want to they don't think they're going to get any any votes out there so long list of potential problems the last one though is the most important I think Mm -hmm. which is the regulatory environment out there in British Columbia and Canada is so is such a thicket of of rules and regulations there's all kinds of doubling up between the two and for some infrastructure it's really hard to get it built because the timeline for actually getting it through all those processes and all the red tape is kind of like forever Mm -hmm. did you at any point when you were uh premier saying look we got to build something and someone say wait a minute those that's the ndp riding or those it's going from one point to the next point it's an ndp riding we don't need to be focusing on that have you did you have to make a decision like that in fact, I did. Yeah, there was, and the, it was the Patella Bridge because it starts in an NDP riding and ends in an NDP riding. <laughs> People said we're going to spend like a billion dollars on redoing this bridge when you know it doesn't gonna, isn't going to benefit people at either end that and ridings we hold. And you know the answer to that question is super easy. Redoing the Patella Bridge has a huge impact on people going for miles and miles and miles on either end of it. So they'll find their, you know, I said to them, look, people are going to find their way to a BC Liberal riding at some point if they go over the bridge. <laughs> but more than that, it's a huge economic investment. And as you said off the top, I, I just, you know, infrastructure is not really sexy, but it is, it is the, it's the bones of the economy. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have good roads, good railways, good ports, bridges, and all those other things that you need, you can't move goods. If you can't move goods, um, we can't export. If we can't export, we don't have great jobs in the province anymore. How do we take the politics out of infrastructure? I mean, it, it's there, uh, and it, it could be. And I'm not just talking about public sector. I'm talking about even pipelines. Um, but in the in the case of government, how do we take the politics out of infrastructure? Infrastructure, good infrastructure is good infrastructure. It helps all of us. How do we get beyond all of that to start building again in this province in a meaningful way? Because you see the numbers in regards to immigration. You see the people moving here. We seem to be just stuck, and it it doesn't seem to be getting better. It is. It's getting worse, Jazz, I would say. And I, I think, you know, part of that, a big, big part of it is political will and leadership. And, I, you know, when governments just layer on regulation after regulation, so I'll give you a good example. We um, had an agreement with the federal government that we were going to have a harmonized review process. So the province would have a review process mm-hmm. and the federal government would take the outcome of that and accept it. You know, I mean, there were some there were some caveats in it, but generally we, it would be harmonized. Well, the new government, federal government, Mr. Trudeau's government came in and they 
got rid of that. So now everything has to go through two processes that are for much of the most part looking at exactly the same things. So, you know, there's a good example of that was just a political decision. That didn't have to happen. Mm -hmm. And working to get um, reviews, environmental reviews harmonized took a decade of negotiation just about with the federal government. We finally got there. And guess what? Kinder Morgan had to go through the new process and it was so difficult and so expensive for the company that they abandoned ship and now taxpayers own the, own the, own the pipeline, which is vastly over budget and way, way, way over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I just, uh, let, let's just take a turn towards BC Ferries for a second. I know they, you know, it's it's going through a moment. Uh, even today, in the last 15 minutes, they've, they're already saying that they expect uh, huge challenges when it comes to sailings from July 28th to 31st, which if you're going to Salt Spring Island, uh, customers may encounter delays. They're recommending arriving at the terminal early, and even uh, residents consider carpooling to reduce the number of vehicles. That's what you want to hear when you're heading out on vacation. Uh, how, how would you fix that? that mess, quite frankly? You know, there was a tradition for quite a long time, from 2001, of keeping the BC Ferries as a non-political organization. And the people that, you know, the the company was really set apart from government and government finances. And it was, you know, it was government obviously supported it. But those decisions were BC Ferries decisions made by professionals. That that distance between government and BC Ferries has closed a lot. If you look at the BC Ferries board, it's a lot of really political people on it. I think Joy McPhail may chair it or or has or mm-hmm. is on the board. I mean, you know, just pe- folks like that, good people, but they're they're not non-political. And I think that political flavor in the company has been really bad for it. I would say though, Jazz, to be mm-hmm. fair to BC Ferries, because I use them a lot. Um, one of the things we know is that they have a real staffing shortage mm-hmm. at the captain level. So one of the things that they're dealing with, in addition to all the political fingers in the pot, is they don't have enough people that are at that very highly trained level that are required to captain a ship. And so they're constantly kind of playing catch up to try and figure out how to reroute things, which is, which is, you know, to be, you know, to be fair, a problem for everybody across the economy where, even developers are having trouble putting up houses because if they can get through the regulations, they may not have the guys to actually build the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you seeing the same problems in other parts of British Columbia too, or is this a more uh, Metro Vancouver issue? It, it, Metro Vancouver is the you know the toughest place for it mm-hmm. because there's so much you know building infrastructure in areas where people are already living. And, you know, where neighborhoods will be drastically changed, and it may not be many of them, but it may be a few. Um, It will always be a few. That's really hard. You know, you look at how long it takes the community consultation for SkyTrain, for example. But Kelowna is a good example, though, of a place where they are finding the community is coming together saying, we need a second crossing. Our population is going to double. Housing prices are a million bucks or just about a million bucks in Kelowna now. The shortage of land not enough development in the west side as a result of the transportation problems, they still can't get that process up and finished. And in that case, it's a political problem, I think, right? The, mm-hmm. the government just doesn't see any political juice in doing it. But it's the right thing to do. I mean, you know, governments represent citizens of all stripes. And the right thing to do to build a strong economy is to build infrastructure. And if you want to lower housing prices, one way to do it, have an impact on it 
is open up more land for development so there's more opportunity to build build more housing. Vancouver, though, and, um, you know, in particular, mm-hmm. and Burnaby and some other places like that, it's really tough because those, you know, communities are so well-established. There's very little land. And, um, you know, lots of people just say, well, look, I don't want to have trucks going through my backyard, so no thank you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to fight that highway. Yeah, it is It is an issue. But one thing about wherever I've traveled in the world as a reporter, what separates us and, and, and many other countries uh, beyond, you know, a democracy is vital infrastructure. It is not sexy, as I said, but boy, it separates you from many jurisdictions uh, around the world. And if we fall behind, uh, it's not good for society, uh, period. And I hate seeing stuff like this. These problems occur, but you can't fall back on infrastructure. It is so incredibly vital. And uh, I really hope uh, whatever challenges we have, we can surmount them because it's a huge, huge challenge right now here in British Columbia. Um, Christy, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure as always, Jazz. I hope everybody has a great weekend.